Welcome to PKF O'Connor JV's podcast, Nonprofits Insight Out. I'm Lenore Sanchez, Senior Audit Manager specializing in nonprofit organizations. Today's topic is charitable solicitation and fundraising. To register or not to register? That is the question. Joining us to provide insight on this topic are Eva Maruk and Joe Connolly. Eva is a partner and Joe is a manager, both serving in our exempt organization tax and advisory services group. Nonprofits have a lot that they need to be compliant with. One item pertains to being compliant with registration in additional states other than the state of formation. Eva, what is charitable solicitation and why does state regulation and nonprofit fundraising matter? Charitable solicitation is simply fundraising. It is asking for funds or support for a charitable purpose. States have laws regulating the solicitation of charitable donations, which require not-for-profit organizations to register with a state agency prior to soliciting in that state. And once registered, nonprofit organizations may be required to file periodic financial reports. Charitable solicitation laws are imposed to provide increased transparency to the donor. So they are designed to protect the donors from illegitimate organizations that fraudulently solicit funds for non-charitable purposes. So the rules are essentially there to protect the donors from charity fraud, scams, deceptions, and misrepresentation. And the state attorney general and the secretary of state, who are the watchdogs, they are protected public interest in all property owned and used by nonprofit organizations, which should be exclusively committed towards charitable purposes. And since it's public information, potential donors can access this, and it helps in making smart decisions in the charitable giving arena. There are 40 states in Washington, D.C. that have charitable solicitation statutes. Who would need to register with the related offices? Well, each state is different and have separate filing thresholds. For the most part, whenever there is an ask for a donation in that state, a nonprofit has an obligation to register. This does not mean an organization needs to receive a donation in that state. If a nonprofit has a solicitation, the organization should look to see if it needs to register. Organizations should have a strategic plan to monitor where each donation is coming from and see if it may have a filing requirement. Also, each state may have different exemptions from filing. Some examples are small nonprofits, hospitals, religious organizations, and educational institutions. Interesting. States offer exemptions to nonprofits. Do these organizations still need to register, or are they free from that? Depending on the state, those organizations may need to still register as exempt from filing within that state. Now that we found out who needs to register, when should these nonprofits register with each state? It's not really a blanket rule, but basically the general rule is to register with each state 30 days before the organization solicits or asks for a donation in that state. Wow, it sounds as if organizations should have a good plan in place. What's the best way for them to go about registering? Great question. By visiting each state's attorney general's website, an organization can find the most up-to-date information, or they can consult with their legal or tax advisors. Each state requires an initial registration 
and then an annual or biannual filing of that registration. Typically, a nonprofit would need their 990, governing documents, IRS determination letter, and a list of board of directors to register. In some cases, audited or reviewed financial statements may be required. There's also the Unified Registration Statement, or URS, which is there to assist nonprofits who need to register multiple jurisdictions. Currently, 36 states and Washington, D.C. accept the URS. While some may enjoy the one-stop registration form, others find direct filing with each state more beneficial and efficient. I would imagine that there's some sort of information sharing between the IRS and the states. Actually, there is, Lenore. On the Form 990, Part 6, Section C, Line 17, the 990 asks an organization to list the state in which a copy of the 990 is required to be filed. Notice it does not say which state the organization is registered with. The IRS wants to know what state an organization solicits in and a copy of the 990 is provided to. With organizations required to electronically file the 990 now, and most states have an, an electronic portal, it is possible that IRS and states are communicating to ensure both federal and state law is complied with. So are you implying that if I'm a nonprofit organized in New York and solicited in another state but not registered there, I would need to indicate that state? Technically, that is the rule. But that organization may be providing the state and IRS with its noncompliance. So it seems like it could be a trick question. Back in the days, there seemed to be a pretty distinct line as far as whether or not a nonprofit should register in a particular state or not. Having to register could have been easier to identify due to the simple fact of associating the state with where an organization solicited by mail, phone, or even in person such as door to door. After the internet, the way a nonprofit solicits is much different. And there are additional methods which can reach multiple areas, including multiple states. So it can be quite confusing for an organization to determine which states to register in. Eva, can you elaborate on this? Sure. So as technology and the internet and social media platforms have radically changed, the way a nonprofit fundraises has too. The most popular question we see is, does internet fundraising trigger state regulatory implications? And the answer is, it depends. So mo most states do not clearly address internet fundraising in their statutes. The Charleston principles were adopted more than two decades ago in an effort to provide uniform guidance on when internet fundraising may trigger a registration requirement. And under these principles, which were not widely adopted and are not binding law, a not-for-profit with a donate button on its website or other social media platform very likely will be soliciting in its state of domicile. So that's where it is incorporated. So at a minimum, registration may be required in its home state. The framework says registration is required for ongoing, repeated, and substantial donations. And there are three specific data points. An out-of-state not-for-profit that solicits through the internet may need to register if it specifically targets persons physically located in that state, has repeated or ongoing contacts with state residents, and or receives contributions in a state on a substantial basis. 
So does a donate button automatically require a nonprofit to register with a state? Well, that's not a yes or no answer. If a not-for-profit has a click to donate button on its website and receives a substantial number of donations from a particular state, then registration likely would be required in that given state. However, once an online donation is received, a not-for-profit generally reaches out with a thank you and naturally asks for additional support. And that act alone constitutes a solicitation in that state. So something to watch out there. That's an eye-opening piece of information. In addition to registering for soliciting, besides having to do more paperwork, what does qualifying to do business mean? Is it separate? Qualifying to do business in a state is separate, but interrelated to state fundraising registration. It means the not-for-profit has a larger presence, what we call nexus, in a state outside from just fundraising. So whether and where it must qualify to do business in a state depends largely on the nature and the extent of the activities it conducts outside of its home state. It entails a filing with the Secretary of State Office that describes the organization's mission and activities. Can you give us some examples of what can constitute doing business? Yes, doing business is defined by most states, but not always clear. Actually, most states provide guidance on the type of activities that do not constitute doing business rather than those that do. Merely having an employee or consultant may not be sufficient. Activities that may trigger qualification in a state may include having employees in that state physically located there, selling goods or services within a state, providing services or labor, and having offices or renting or owning real property. Thank you for that. The information you both shared is extremely valuable and insightful. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Of course. Above all, state charitable registration is the law. Proactive and voluntary compliance avoids fines, penalties, and scrutiny. Also, the risk to a nonprofit's reputation, loss of donations, and or grants. There's no question that compliance with state laws is burdensome and costly. It involves tracking registration renewal due dates, filing extensions where needed. But be careful because those due dates don't always coincide with IRS Form 990. One last thing. Fundraising activities involving professional fundraisers, Fundraising councils and partnering with commercial co-ventures may subject the nonprofits to additional requirements. Oh, and I agree. The process is indeed burdensome on not-for-profits, especially for those that solicit donations in multiple states or nationwide. Sometimes these organizations are run by volunteers and have minimal staff. However, it is best to be in compliance, and that alone is a valid reason for registration. So education is key. A not-for-profit should examine its solicitation activities and study its donor base. If there's new activities, a new campaign, annual campaign, large events, those may give rise to new state filings. So what does the future hold in this arena? More and more states are moving to an online platform. There are pros and cons with this. Um, it can reduce the time and expenses and expedite processing times, but factor the time associated with mastering the registration systems. And we also all hope for a more standard and uniform registration process nationwide.
You've left our listeners with tools to enhance the management of their organization's registration compliance. Eva and Jill, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your expertise with us. Great being here. Nice seeing you both. Thank you. PKF O'Connor Davies serves a wide range of nonprofit entities. For more information and to connect with Eva or Joe, who specialize exclusively in nonprofit tax matters, please visit our website at pkfod.com. Until next time, nonprofits inside out.